Therefore, I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with disassemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I have washed my hands in innocency, so I will compress thy altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitations of this house and this place with thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their righteousness is full of bribes. And I want you to pay attention to this 11th verse. It says, But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity, redeeming me, redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even, even, even place. In the congregation will I bless the Lord. I think all of us need to read this real close and look at it and see how I am serving my church. I, I love this church. I love this pastor. I love you. And uh, I think it's important in a, in a world that we have today that we find something and honor it by serving the Lord. It says, I have walked in, in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I will wash my hands in intimacy, so will I compress thee, O Lord. Verse 8 says, I have loved the habitations of thy house. It's important that we love one another and support one another. I had an accident and was almost dead. This church went to my house, done some work, poured a slab or a sidewalk, put up some rails inside and out that I might get upstairs and do the things that I need to do. I thank the church. It was a real blessing for they took care of me. I thank you for your part in that. I know some of you did. Some of you fixed meals. Some of you came over and worked and everything. And I, I appreciate it. I really do. It's an honor to uh, just be in your presence. I'm thankful for Brother Joyce and his ministry for 49 years here. 
He is a Bible preacher. He doesn't want anything that's not the Bible. And I appreciate that. I think we honor Him this morning by our presence because He's been faithful over the years. His wife, who He's without now. A daughter, who He is without now. But He still has a son that's helping Him with the uh, internet messages and everything. And so, the Lord has blessed Him. And I think that we should bless Him this morning. I thank you for being able to be here this morning. I turn the service over now to Brother Joyce. Thank you, Brother Neil, for all those kind words. You know, it's, it's so good to be loved by people. And I know all of you love me. Do you want to hear me preach or you want to wait? Everybody getting too hungry? I'll try to hurry if that's okay. Go or not? Go. Okay. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Now listen to this last statement. 1 Samuel 2 verse 2. It says this, Neither is there any rock like our God. Neither is there any rock like our God. You know, a rock speaks of strength, and it's a symbol of stability and durability. And in certain instances, you've seen the rocks out here in the desert that go way up high, you know, uh, whether it's ship rock or wherever. And you see them extending its elevation as well. And when we think of a rock, we think of the Lord Jesus Christ because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 it says, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So we're talking about Christ as a rock. Or the rock is symbolical of Christ. Now then, I have a message here that would be too lengthy, but I'm going to try to give you a gist of it anyway. And try to condense it as much as possible. Because probably most of you know that when I have a sermon, it's usually about three of them in one. And so I'll have to, I'll definitely have to condense this one. So, the first thing I want to go give you by way of introduction is that there's 106 times in the Bible that you find this word rock. And there are many times that they refer to Christ. There are many types and shadows throughout all the Old Testament Scriptures. The text that we read refers to the Old Testament rock and states that that rock was a type of Christ. In uh, 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, neither is there any rock like our God. In Psalm 18, verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. Psalm 28, verse 1 says, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. We look to Him for stability. We sing a song uh, about 
the rock, don't, don't we, about Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And if I had time, I'll get into that in a little bit. In Psalm 61, verse 2, it says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm glad we have Christ as that. Psalm 62, verse 21, it says this, He only is my rock and my salvation. And in uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verse 21 22, we find that God hid Moses in the cliffs of the rock. There's a hiding place in Christ. And he was hidden there from God's holiness and God's uh, righteousness and all. And we sing a song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide, cleft for thee, let me hide myself in thee. And we find that uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is an incom- incomparable or incomparable and indispensable rock. And then I want us to approach this message under seven main headings, if I have time to just uh, touch on each and every one of them. Uh, first of all, uh, He is a suitable and special rock. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, it says this, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. We find this is prophetic of the fact that Christ is a sure foundation. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then we find that He's a stone. Jesus said upon, in, uh, on this rock, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then we find that He's a tried stone. If you turn to the uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, you'll find all through there where He was tempted of the, the devil. And uh, He overcame Satan's temptations. That's another point in our message we'll get to later on. And He is a precious cornerstone. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. So when we're talking about Christ as the rock, He is a suitable and special rock for many reasons. The devil put him to the test. And he overcame Satan's temptations. You know, the devil wanted him to turn the stones into bread. And Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God shall man live. He wanted him to cast himself down off of the pinnacle of the temple. And Jesus said to him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. By the way, he was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy that we've been teaching. All the way through, Jesus putting His uh, approval upon the writings of Moses in the, in, in the book of Deuteronomy. And then He said uh, for uh, Jesus to fall down and worship Him. Jesus says, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. So He overcame uh, Satan's great temptations with three mighty thrusts of the sword of the Word of God. It is written, by the way, as Brother Bill said earlier, if you're going to face Satan, you better face him with the Word of God and take God's Word. And he, that's the only way you will overcome. He was tried and tested by men. And he proved himself. If you turn to Luke chapter 20, the whole chapter has to do with him being tempted by the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And at one time, both of them, they joined together. You know, sometimes enemies join together and uh, when they are separate before. And so we find that uh, he is that suitable 
and special rock. Now I'll give you the second verse of Scripture. Exodus 17, verse 6. Listen carefully. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock, God told Moses, upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So we find he is a smitten and saving rock. When that rock was smitten, it gave forth its water. Moses was told to smite the rock. This was a large rock. This was a characteristic of strength and stability and durability and elevation. And the rod uh, that Moses used was a symbol of judgment. And Moses was commanded to smite the rock. So thus Christ suffered the judgment. He was smitten for our sins. And therefore He suffered the judgment of of God upon our sins. And as a result, the waters came forth abundantly. God gave the water from the rock. And there was a desperate need for the people. There was the unlikely means that they would have water in a desert. And especially water out of a rock. An unexpected source. Water out of a rock. But it was a merciful provision. And that merciful provision was for us in the death of Jesus Christ. And when He was smitten, the waters of salvation came forth from Him, the crucified Christ. And we find that the Bible tells us that Jesus said to the woman of Samaria, I'll give you a well of living water. And He did that very thing. And the Bible tells us that the water is free. You're not to pay for it. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The water is near. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 8, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then the water is easily appropriated. In Isaiah chapter 55, it says, Come to the waters and drink. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, let him come and drink. Without money, without price, you don't have to pay for it. Then the third thing about our message, it's a strong and sturdy rock. When you read over in the book of First Peter uh, chapter 2, I'll try to get it for you. First Peter chapter 2, it says this. It says, in verse 6, and I won't read the whole context because it's too lengthy to expound the whole passage. It says in verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same has become the head of the corner. It says, A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they also were appointed. So we find that he is a, a smitten rock. We find that we're told that he can uh, be received. It's easily appropriated, but he's a strong and sturdy rock. Peter is speaking again of this Scripture we gave you in Isaiah 28, verse 16. He sees Christ as a strong and sturdy rock. And you know, when we think of Peter's confession, uh, 
Jesus said, Whom do you say? Whom do men say that I am? Peter says, Finally, they got to the point, and I'll try to get to the point because there are so many other things that they said. But Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, uh, Simon, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he goes on to say, I say unto thee that thou art Peter. He used the word P-E-T-R-A. That's a small, that's a little pebble rock. P-E-T-R-O-S, rather. And it means a little rock. And then Jesus says, but upon this rock, and he used a different word. He's speaking of himself this time. He says, upon this rock, upon himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, that other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And we're told in the book of Matthew chapter 7 that, that when we come to Christ for salvation, if we build upon the sand, we're not going to have any salvation. But if we come and build our house upon the rock, it will stand. And that's why we use the two symbols there. The wise man built his house what? upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And so, let's not be foolish. Let's build upon Christ. We're told in the book of Ephesians, let me read this one for you. Chapter 2, if you will. And verse, uh, let's read verses 20 uh, through 22. It says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Isn't it wonderful that all of us are building upon Christ? And the Bible tells us in that passage I gave you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we, build, we take Christ as a foundation and then we build upon that foundation our works and our service. Gold and silver and precious stones or wood and hay and stubble. So what kind of works are we putting in to our works and service uh, in the Lord? Will it be like gold and silver and precious stones or like wood and hay and stubble? We want it to be like the gold and silver and precious stones. And that will be the way it will stand the test of fire. Now then, I'll give you number four. And I guess some of you can tell already that I'm trying to hurry. Uh, Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Numbers, look at Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, quickly. It says, uh, take the rod, and this is another time, by the way, before I read it, this is another time that they were without water, and they needed water again, and Moses was compelled to do something about it. You know, it says, take the rod, this is what God said to Moses, Gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth its water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So shalt thou give the congregation their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. And remember, they were tempting Moses. They were testing him. They were trying him. And they were causing him all kinds of trouble. And he says, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? They put Moses on the spot, didn't they? I mean, how many pastors would go up and say, Well, I'll get you all plenty to drink. Take his little uh, shepherd's crook and hit the, hit the, the rock and say, Here, you, 
We couldn't expect that because God told Moses what to do, but he didn't tell him to smite at this time. He says, Hear you rebels. Must we fetch you water out of the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out. God was still gracious. Came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and the beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not, in other words, just speaking the word, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So, because Moses lost his temper, and because he didn't speak to the rock, then God said, Moses, you cannot take the children of Israel into the land. You know, every man's responsible for his reactions to others. So you say, well, this person made me angry. Well, it's up to you to control your anger. Or this person did this or that or the other to me. Well, never mind what they did, it's how you react. And so I have a whole lesson on that, but I won't have uh, time to give it. Uh, remember that this rock was once smitten before, and now it is to be spoken to. And this is symbolical of Christ already being smitten for our sins. And now where is He? He's seated on the right hand of God. And the Bible tells us now to come boldly to the throne of grace and ask Him what we, uh, what we have need of, and He will hear and find grace to help in time of need. So now we're only to speak to Christ. He's not to be smitten anymore. And there's a whole lesson on that that I won't have time for. And then let me give you number five. He's a sheltering and solacing rock. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 2, it says, And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, now listen, as the shadow of a great rock in the weary land. It says a man shall be like a, gr a great rock in a weary land. And that man, of course, is Jesus Christ. And he's a sheltering and solacing rock. This verse tells us that a man shall be this hiding place. A man shall be this shelter from the storm. A shelter in the time of storm. And we go through that shelter in the time of storm, don't we? We go to that shelter. And we find that we can be hidden in his pavilion, in his tent. He's a refuge in the time of storm. And then in Christ we're sheltered from what? The wind and tempest of God's wrath. Last Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. God's holiness. We're sheltered from a holy God because the Bible said we cannot look upon His face and live. That's why God put Moses in the cleft of the rock. He said, I'll put my hand over you. And when I pass by, when my glory passes by, I will protect you. Protect him from God's holiness. And then we're protected from a broken law by hiding in Christ. Because we broke God's law. And He's our refuge to be sheltered from that law. And He also protects us from Satan's assaults, the assaults of Satan. And He's still our protector. And we still find shelter in that rock. And then let me uh, hurry along. He protects us in all the storms of life, the domestic storms. We all have those. The physical, when our bodies, when we have sickness and troubles and trials, when our bodies. And what about the material? He takes care of us that way. So we all go through many storms and trials and temptations. And He's always there in the same place. You know, you take a great big old rock out here, it's not going anywhere. 
That's where Jesus is. He's not going anywhere. He's always where He has been. All you have to do is go to the place that you know where He is. And that's where He's, all, he's, he's steadfast. He's durable. He's going to be there for you. And then, as the shadows of a great rock in a weary land, when you think of a great rock in a desert place, there's room for all to come under and find shelter. His shade is free. You ever got under a rock when there was the heat of the sun and it's just as cool as it can be? You put your hand on top of it and you can't even put your hand there because it absorbs the heat of that sun. And so Christ absorbs the heat of God's judgment upon our sins and therefore He, he soaked up that heat he, took, he was smitten on the cross and He bore that heat for us and then He made it comfortable for us to come under His shadow and find uh, a place of refuge there. And then He's a stumbling rock. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, let me read this for you. It says, But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. We already read where... Uh, Peter spoke of him as being a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And Paul said again in Romans 9 verse 33 that he is a rock of offense. Paul said in Galatians 5 verse 11 that even in the, he calls it the offense of the cross. And then we'll hurry on. Jesus Christ and his cross over which many sinners are stumbling today. He's the one that's rejected. He's the one that is not believed and not received. And Peter tells us that they stumble at the Word. And then the last point of our message, he's a smiting rock. And I won't go back and read in Daniel, but you'll find in Daniel's, uh, the book of Daniel chapter 2, verse 34 and 35, and 44 and 45, you'll find that there's a picture of this rock, this stone that is without hands. And we'll find in the book of Revelation, that he's a smiting stone, and when he comes in Revelation 19, 11 through 21, we see him coming in righteousness to judge and to make war. It's very clear that the smiting stone is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will come again in judgment upon all who reject him. And we all must take our refuge in Christ himself. The Bible says, Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And we flee to Christ for our refuge. And then in Matthew 21, verse 41 through 44, Jesus tells us that he that falls upon this stone shall be broken. If you fall upon Christ in repentance and faith. But it says, on whomsoever this stone shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So right now, Christ can be received and be believed upon and be trusted in. And if you have a broken heart, if you fall in repentance and faith, he will accept you. But if, if you neglect that and someday you refuse, you keep refusing, someday you'll have to be judged for it. I want us to stand together for just a moment. And we won't, we won't have an invitation hymn. We'll just have a word with you. And when I speak this word, it'll be in the form of invitation. I'd like to ask that God bless us in this part of the service. And if you're here this morning and you never accepted Christ, we would invite you to just step out and walk down this aisle and we'll talk to you about your need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're accepting Him, the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
And if you're here this morning and you, you need a church home, place of worship and service, and you'd like to come, we want to give you that opportunity to do that. So if there's anyone that'd like to step out now on this invitation, we'd invite you to come. And if not, we'll ask Brother uh, Vickers to dismiss us in prayer, if you will, Brother Vickers, and also ask God's blessings upon our food and our fellowship together as we go down the basement. And I'm sorry I've kept you long, but it's time to go eat now. Thank you. Brother Vickers.